At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Florida Matters More, the podcast for Florida Matters, WUSF public media show about the issues and events that Floridians care about. I'm Robin Sessingham, host of Florida Matters. I'm with Stephanie Colombini. She's the producer of Florida Matters. Hey, Robin. And Julio Ocho, editor of Health News Florida. Hi, Robin. Hi. You can hear Florida Matters Tuesday evenings at 6.30 and Sunday mornings at 7.30 on WUSF 89.7, streaming on WUSF.org. You can also hear it Mondays at 10 p.m. on Classical WSMR 89.1 and 103.9. This week on Florida Matters, we've got highlights from the town hall that we held in St. Petersburg with a panel discussion in front of a live audience. The topic was health care for the uninsured, and it came about after a series of stories that Julio produced on the free clinics around the Tampa Bay area. Julio Ochoa, people can find your stories on our website, WUSFnews.org. It's called Their Only Option. So after you visited those clinics and you talked to the patients and you talked to the doctors and the directors, I mean, did you feel any differently after you did your reporting than before you went into it? Did it change your mind in any way? Well, I mean, really, I think it just it drove home the issue that that people can't afford, that these people who use these clinics, they just can't afford health care. And, you know, how do you care for these people who can't afford insurance and and avoid going to the doctor because they can't afford to get their care? You know, they just feel like they don't have any money. Um, so these clinics do a really good job of taking them in and, and giving them health care. But, you know, as far as if I came away feeling different about anything, I think it was just the fact that that the, in this country we do a really good job of taking care of people when they go in for emergency care, but but we sometimes don't do as good of a job of preventative medicine and and trying to take care of people, you know, from birth till they reach old age of of uh, primary care, getting to the doctor before you have an emergency. Well, Stephanie, a lot of the sickness could be prevented if people just took better care of themselves. They say that, you know, if people stop smoking, if they lose weight, get some exercise, don't drink too much. I mean, that would heart disease and um, diabetes and a lot of the chronic illnesses that make them really sick eventually. Sure. I mean, we brought that up during the discussion. My point was that if we put more money into, I mean, we're already spending a lot of money on health care. And um, if we right. put m- maybe m- a little more money into educational campaigns, public messaging, you know. Definitely. And did they feel like that would be a good place to put some money? I think he did. I think, you know, it would be one facet of a lot of different things that they need to do to tackle it. And, you know, increasing primary care. I think one of the things that the panelists said is the problem is, too many people wait until their health situation is so dire that they end up in the emergency room or end up in the hospital. And that's what's costing so much money. So, I mean, if you kind of 
change to a more preventative system where people are regularly getting health care to stay healthy and not waiting until they're so sick that they have to be hospitalized, that could save us a ton of money. Right. But it's not that simple because actually what studies have shown is that um, the uninsured are not using the emergency room in great numbers. Actually, it's the Medicaid patients that are using the emergency rooms. They they don't go to the primary doctor. A lot of times they can't because it's during work hours. They're the working poor. They can't they can't go during regular hours, so they're using the emergency room afterwards. So even with with Medicaid insurance, um, they're not using primary doctors. They're not going for the preventative care. So it's a really really complicated issue. And I want to know, Julio, what you, you know, when you talk to doctors that were at the clinics, I mean, was it there, did they ever talk about universal insurance or did they? I mean, they... I, I asked a lot of them, them that directly. I, I kind of did a story that, that focused a little bit on that. And you know, it was a mixed bag, you know, I mean, some of them believe that that some, sor- some form of primary care is, is a right, you know, I mean, you should be able to go to a doctor um, to get care if you have something wrong with you. And, you know, I mean, we talk about trying to reach people and, and some people you may never reach to, to get this preventative care. But, you know, if you involve a doctor in, in people's lives early on and you, you give them a primary care doctor and they know that they have somewhere to go, then there is an influence, just like the dentist. You know, I mean, if you, if you never go well, to the people dentist. People really like having a relationship <laughs> with someone who knows them. And right. They, and they don't sure. have to explain every single time everything that's been wrong in their life. This person knows them. That's such a better relationship. Right. But it's more and more rare, isn't right. it? Right, Yeah. And I, I mean, you know, if you start at a young age going to the dentist, then then you're more inclined to have better teeth when you get old. And I mean, the same could so be good said habits. for healthcare. Right, exactly. Well, I would think they really wouldn't be that in favor of universal healthcare because that would definitely bring down what they get paid, you know, bring down their rates. That's why right, right now I think it's like a third of primary care doctors don't take Medicaid insurance. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was something I didn't get to bring up with the panel. Mm. Even if you have insurance, a lot of doctors aren't taking it. I think something like half of psychiatrists now don't take any insurance at all, never mind Medicaid. Yeah, I think mental health is definitely, probably mental health and, and dental are some of the areas where it's really tough to, you know, to get care, even if you have insurance. So that's definitely a big problem. And, and that's, you know, why I think mental health is in particular has become, a, you know, there's a big conversation about it going on recently. Um, and one of the things I think that usually does come up is that it, it is hard to access a psychiatrist or a therapist. And so, so many people are left to deal with undiagnosed issues and things like that. So I think mental health care is one of those issues where you don't, you know, most people don't have a therapist. Right. You have mm-hmm. to pay out of pocket. Yeah. And, and it's like a luxury. It's like, you know, $150 an hour or something, create, you know, higher and higher. And, you know, if you need to talk to someone regularly, that's going to add up. That's a big problem. Did anybody have any suggestions, Julio, that did anyone say, well, if we took a little money out of our this pot and put it into a clinic or maybe have a separate while we have free clinics, maybe a free mental health clinic. Maybe if somebody coordinated with psychiatrists, maybe they'd be willing to do some pro bono work just like the cardiologists do. Yeah, I should say that's actually happening at the St. Pete Free Clinic. They do have counselors now, just it's new, a new a change. They have counselors on staff that will help um, 
We'll we'll help with mental health care for people. So and that's something new, right? That's something new this year. So if somebody needs mental health care, they come in. They have they have issues. They have depression or something like that. They can find free counseling at the St. Pete Free Clinic. It was one thing that really surprised me that Dr. Kumar talked about a pleasant surprise, and he was talking about all of the specialists that it's not just primary family care doctors that are at the clinic. They if they if specialists, if they're if they, oncologists and cardiologists, and then there's hospitals that are donating their equipment and their space, like Moffitt, we've yeah. we mentioned. But what he wanted was someone to coordinate all this. Yeah, I mean when you when you saw in the clinics, you know, the, a lot of charitable care happens in the clinics, but they also have these relationships with hospitals that give them free labs and free blood testing. And, you know, maybe providers in the community that provide free MRIs or x-rays. So you look at these free clinics and you think that's where the charity happens. But it's, it's a lot of the community that is pitching in um, and helping out. That's a good thing as far as I'm concerned. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think so? I mean, because some people Absolutely. look at it as sort of a shame. Um, I was listening. I don't know if you heard this, but it was a... It was a BBC report, and they were talking to someone who, who was, and he was reporting on a really good free clinic that was providing a lot of care to thousands of people. And his attitude was, well, the concern is if the government sees what a good job this clinic is doing, then they'll feel like they don't need to um, step in. And I thought, well, I mean, in my my attitude is, well, that's the point, <laughs> you know. If it's getting done, the government doesn't need to take care of everything. But there are people with a different point of view, which is that the government should be taking care of all of this universally, and it's sort of a shame if if we rely on private care or pro bono care or free clinics or private charities or grants or things like that. It's a, it's a difference it's in working. philosophy. I mean, the charitable care is working, and there is, you know, I mean— it is a difference in philosophy. I mean, some say, you know, churches and, and, and charities should step up to take care of the homeless or take care of, you know, uh, those who need food or, or clothing, you know. And, and to a certain extent, they do a lot of that. But um, what happens when, when the church isn't there anymore or, or when these clinics uh, fall on bad economic times and, and there's no one to donate? You know, do people just go without care? So... Yeah, I think the government doesn't necessarily have to step in completely, but there are some people who would like the government to just increase funding for these free clinics. But it was even one of the members of our audience during the town hall spoke up and, you know, he covers medical news and follows it closely and was crunching some numbers. And he had found that if the I think it was the state of Florida, if they had just increased funding for free clinics a little bit, as opposed to expanding Medicaid to a lot more residents in the state, they would save a ton of money, that it would cost them a fortune to expand Medicaid to a lot more people. Whereas if they just gave the clinics a boost, you'd still be helping people out and, you know, improving the way they can care for people without health insurance. He did and you'd have save those, money. Yeah. I, I had know, those exact numbers in on the, the show. show right. Exactly. But I mean, they were pretty significant. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it was a, a more efficient way of doing business, it right. felt like. Mm-hmm. But there are such philosophical differences, I mean, and cultural expectations. That's something that Dr. Jay Wolfson was talking about was, sure. you know, we have very different expectations of medical care, of who should pay for it, of how expensive it should be, how much of our national budget should go towards it. Um, so th- these are things that aren't going to be... Yeah. Settled very quickly. That was a lively discussion. And, I mean, it was interesting. Uh, he he asked the crowd, remember, at one point that, you know, who's willing to spend 30 to 50 percent of more more in taxes to pay for health care? Universal health care. Universal right. health. And very Half few room. people raise their hands. Was it, really? I what? thought it was a decent amount. Yeah. Um, I mean, a decent chunk of people raise their hands. And then he said, well, you're all a bunch of socialists. Right. right. Yeah. Which is funny. It and was. I mean, he he's the one that came up with this Hillsborough County health plan, which taxes citizens or, or puts a, a half cent sales tax mm-hmm. um, to pay for indigent care for people who who are not on Medicaid, but make, I think it's up to 110 percent of poverty. Uh, the federal poverty level, so and the county went for it. Yeah, the county went, and it's working great. And I that, mean, it, that, it, that was a point that I made was that I see that same in Polk County, same in a lot of counties in mm-hmm. Florida. They're willing to pay for local health care, take care of their neighbors and mm-hmm. indigent hospitals, mm-hmm. um, because you can see it working. Yeah, we got some great questions uh, for the audience. There was a debate between Dr. Ajoy Kumar, who's the director of the St. Petersburg Free Clinic, and a nurse practitioner in Mm. the audience who said there would be a lot more access to care if they let nurse practitioners have more medical freedom. Um, And that was an interesting discussion. Yeah, I guess in Florida, I'm not familiar with how the states vary, but in Florida, I guess nurse practitioners can't have their own practice. Um, In other states, they definitely can. Um, So she felt, you know, if nurse practitioners like herself could open up their own office and more people would get care. And the uh, Dr. Kumar kind of debated with her because he argued that these days more and more nurse practitioners, and, you know, I actually have friends in nursing who are doing the same thing. They're pretty much in their early 20s. They get their bachelor's. Maybe they're on the floor for a year and they're right into grad school and getting their um, nurse practitioner's degree. So his argument was, well, how, how should we be giving all these people who don't have any real clinical experience the right to open up their own practice? Now, she turned around and said, I respectfully disagree because then, you know, there's plenty of nurse practitioners with 15 years experience and who absolutely know more than some doctors who are, you know, early on in their residency. So, you know, they right. went back and forth. And I think Jay Wilson with USF Health stepped in and, and kind of mediated and said it is a process and that you have to kind of strike a balance because there are the more experienced, but there are some kind of fresh out of college. So you'd have to tell a fine line. But it, it was nice to hear from a nurse in the crowd. I would like to see doctors making house visits again. I mean, talk about talking about access to care. I mean, what what about elderly people or people with disabilities who it's nearly impossible to get them to the hospital unless you hire medical transport? I mean, wouldn't it be nice to have a nurse practitioner that could come to the house or a doctor that would make a house call? It seems like they would get a ton of business. You see now telemedicine increasing where, you know, they're not coming to your house, but you're on your smartphone or you turn your TV on and there's the doctor to talk with you. No, you're not going to get some sick 90-year-old who's doing telemedicine. (laughs) Right. They need a nurse. I mean, I'm talking, you know, I'm talking out of personal experience. that's a lot of... And, and and that they're not doing that anymore, and that a lot of that is licensing and regulations that are 
this is the, the, the argument that this nurse practitioner was making. They're decreasing access to care. They were talking about ambulances now that are going mm. to houses um, and not transporting people to the hospital, but actually taking care of them at the house. That is a great idea. They did talk about that. I hadn't heard of that Ambulances before. Ambulances are expensive, though. I well, mean, I don't know if they were right. using it as like an ambulance. Thousands they were using, of dollars. I guess they, they were using the EMTs to decide, though. It was ending up being a more efficient way of doing things because they were deciding on site, does this person need to go to the emergency room or can mm-hmm. is it something that can be treated here? Or are they just having a hard time getting to the hospital and that's why it's an ambulance? You know, that's what I'm saying. A, a right. lot of people are... are they're disabled. They can't get to the hospital except through an ambulance, but maybe they don't need to go to the hospital. Someone can just care for them, prescribe an antibiotic, or give them treatment right, um, right there at their house. So that, that was a great, I think that was a step in the right direction. No one can seem to understand why costs are so out of control. Were there any themes that kept coming up when you asked about that, Julio? The ER care is, is a huge thing, you know, and I mean, a lot of these hospitals and even the Hillsborough County health care plan were, were developed to keep people out of the emergency room. Um, and I think in, in Hillsborough, they think that the half cent sales tax um, providing health care to people actually saved like $23 million last year in emergency room care. So, and, and that's that's one of the things that 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 kept coming up and i think that's why like hospitals you know refer people to these clinics and why they have these relationships where they're they give um free lab they do the clinics labs for free and the blood tests for free um, because they recognize that these clinics are are helping them uh, keep their costs down that was Julio Ochoa, Health News Florida editor. Also, Stephanie Colombini's here. She's the producer of Florida Matters. I'm Robin Sessingham. Thanks for joining us. Listen to Florida Matters Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 7.30 on WUSF 89.7. And you can always find it online at WUSF.org. Come back next week for another episode of Florida Matters More. And subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And if you like it, leave us a review. Thanks.